Bob Stoops ruined my childhood. It's the Inside OU Podcast on the Franchise Podcast Network. If you listen to this OU Compliance, I don't endorse that last message. With Brady Trantham and Keegan Renault. Mike Stoops should be put on trial for war crimes. Inside OU number two of the week of Kansas State and Keegan the last time, Keegan Renault of USA Today, uh, Soonerswire.com, Brady Trantham here. Uh, last time we talked, Keegan, we were, uh, I think the title of the last episode was Game, Di- Game Week We Think, We Pray, and it seems like as of 3.40 on Thursday, um, I'm, of course, technically, a lot can still uh, change over the next five or six hours into the evening. But it seems like everything's pretty much all a go for OU Kansas State on Saturday. It is. And I can tell you that Oklahoma was happy they got through yesterday without an announcement. Uh, that was Wednesday. They obviously won't have a final decision made until tomorrow. But from the sounds of it, from talking to multiple people this week, it sounds like it's a go. And I know I said it on the podcast Tuesday, but they are more confident heading into tomorrow than they were the Missouri State week that a game is going to be played yep. on Saturday. Now, there's now already reports coming out out of Kansas State about, you know, then secondary offensive line basically going to be the same offensive line it was for the Arkansas State game, especially at center. That ain't good. Uh, no. And so it's uh, it's game week, though. I mean, I'm, I'm geared up. I don't know if I've told you this yet. I will be covering the game now from the press box oh you Saturday. will be now like so, so much has changed mm-hmm, in this I, in this era of covid week to week everything changes from a day-to-day basis so i'm glad to hear that you'll be in the press box so yeah that means uh what post-game potentially segment with you guys and then yeah game pod and all those things so yeah it's uh yeah i found out last night late last night that i was i think i'm gonna be like first out of the bullpen if a spot opens up it sounds like for the rest of the season. So, oh, nice. Yeah, it's a uh, spot opened up and found out that, you know, I got my credentials sent to me and it's uh, it's going to be good. I, I bet I bet what happened was Kansas State, probably that one player that Kleiman was talking about earlier in the week. I bet that one player got popped for uh, contact tracing and they're like, he's OK. He's tested negative like five or six times. He's fine. And they just ripped somebody from like the Kansas City Star or the Wich- <laughs> whatever the Wichita Journal and just said, you're going to be this. Pl- you're going to be this player. What? And then they lock him in a broom closet or something. For sure. It's like, all right. All right. All right. Everything's everything's good. So that's why Keegan. No, I'm just kidding. You've earned it. <sighs> yeah, for You've sure. Earned. It's uh, it's been a busy, busy week trying to figure out, you know, playing football, not playing football, you know, doing some like fall camp review stuff. More more of it will go out tonight. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's going to be one of those things this week that things look very bleak for the Kansas State Wildcats. And there was a, uh, USA Today story by, uh, Paul Meyer, Meyerberg, and, um, I'm, I'm forgetting the other name right now, but, um, God, how do I know? Eric Smith, I believe, is a national, uh, writer for, sounds familiar, for USA Today. They, uh, basically kind of put OU on an upset alert. Oh, and I had the article sent to me and was like, "Hey, you should do something on this." And I was like, "Uh, use it as toilet paper." Yeah, uh, I was like, "Uh, I'm not so sure. I'm gonna we're we're gonna write on this for uh, Sooners Wire because that's Let, let's let's get some faux intrigue into this 28 and a half point line, shall yeah. we? It's uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be. I mean, I know I said it Tuesday. I think everybody's kind of now coming. They were a lot of people were, and I'm not saying no specifically you, but there were people that thought that Kansas State may push them, especially the 28 point line was a little high. But it's gonna be a it's gonna be a beatdown. I know we're about to get into it. Yeah, and and just to, as a reminder to everybody, because um, I know like initially once we got closer into the season, Keegan and I were talking about well we'll do, you know like a main podcast. Um, Sunday, Monday, or Tuesday. We kind of decided Tuesday since that's when Lincoln Riley is going to have his weekly presser. So later on in the evening, Keegan comes over, we re-record that first podcast. And uh, there was a bye week this past week, so that's why there was no media corner. But uh, in front of that initial podcast will be the media corner with some random media member that covers OU football. Hopefully, uh, moving forward, we've got the next week already lined up, so it should be rolling. And then we were going to do like this podcast that you're listening to right now, which is more of a hyper-focused game matchup of whoever OU's playing that week 
We didn't do it for Missouri State because, I mean, spoiler alert, Missouri State sucks, and that was just going to be a waste of time, uh, especially with us not really knowing who exactly was going to play for OU that day. Or, or if they were going to play in general. Exactly. So um, this podcast is just kind of a little bit of a luxury piece to you, just extra OU football content. Whenever the opponent um, is able to play and OU is able to play, on Thursday, Friday, we will drop the little game uh, matchup analysis pod. And that's why Keegan Renault is here because I, you know, I'm kind of more old school. I just kind of look at two teams and I look at some players and I'm just like, that guy doesn't have it. This should be a cake. This should be a cakewalk. Uh, but, at, you know, there are times where people do appreciate that brashness, but people do also appreciate more of a deep analytical understanding of this is why OU is going to kick their ass. Or last year when you were pointing out prior to the Kansas State upset, this is why Kansas State is potentially going to give OU a lot of headache. I don't know if they're going to upset them, but I really wouldn't be shocked. And then guess what? Kansas State started kicking OU's ass in the first half. For sure. It's uh, it's one of those things that, uh, to kind of – you knew in 2018 that I was doing this kind of privately behind the scenes and I made it kind of more public a year ago and it's taken off. Uh, but yeah, I mean, understanding what Oklahoma's doing offensively, defensively is a little bit different. I, I don't understand as much about specifically coverages. I get fronts and blitzes and all that stuff a little bit more, but when you start getting into these Tampa two, inverted Tampa two, all these different cover three, cover six, I mean, I could point it out in a in a game when it's kind of like, okay, this is what the defense is going to do because the offense, specifically, if you watch LSU play football, if you watch Cincinnati Bengals, the Cleveland Browns game last Thursday, you could probably figure out pretty quickly what the defenses were because they're doing whatever they possibly can pre-snap to show the quarterback what's going on. So, yeah. A little bit, a little bit more difficult for me on the defensive side. I'm not. You guys know I'm. I'm honest with myself and honest with you guys. So, but offensively, I think I can probably. You know, if you watch a football game with me, I can probably tell you where Oklahoma is going to attack people on almost every single play, um, based off formations, based off pre-snap stuff. It's uh, but it's going to be good. Uh, I'm excited to be able to talk about it on Thursdays heading into the game, and I uh, broke down the Kansas State game completely from Arkansas State and. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty inherent with the score. And, of course, if you ever do have trouble with some coverages, Keegan, I mean, we can always just call Kelly Gregg and just ask him straight up, this inverted Tampa 2, what would you do, Kelly Gregg, as a defensive tackle for your entire career? What would you do in this coverage? He, mean, might, he might have something to say. He will have something to say. <laughs> he will, for sure. <laughs> yeah. he. Uh, I don't know if it will be the correct answer, but. I mean, that guy, you mean, we want to talk about a guy that's over performing a guy that overperformed his whole career and that's nothing against Kelly Gregg I mean 10-year NFL vet one of I mean won a Super Bowl right with the Ravens uh was on the Super Bowl actually I can't remember if he was on the practice squad the year that they they won in 2000 or if he had been signed yet I can't remember but uh when they won with Harbaugh he wasn't on the team like I think he had been I think he went to Kansas Didn't City they by then win one with Smith in the early 2000s or am I yeah, they won in 2000. Oh, uh, 2000? I just don't know if Kelly was technically on the team yet. Gotcha. I cannot remember, but uh, don't hold me to that. How about this? On the Wikipedia page for yeah. Kelly Gregg, yeah. it shows that he's a radio talent on 107.7 The Franchise. You damn right he is. I just did a remote with him at Lotus Gold on 63rd in May for last two hours. Kelly Gregg was on the Cincinnati Bengals in 99, the Eagles in 99. That's... And then joined the Ravens in 2001. Ah. That's brutal. Yeah, he's missed uh, two Super Bowls. But you know what? He's the happiest, happiest SOB oh, I've ever awesome. met. He's so. awesome. Awesome. So, shout out to Kelly Gregg, of course. And then, uh, of course, one more thing before we get into the deep anal cysts that is OU versus Kansas State. Um, and because a little bit of what Keegan was talking about kind of goes into this as well, just as a reminder to everybody that listened to the previous podcast. And I do want to give uh, some uh, thank yous to some people who just randomly reached out to me on Twitter and said, hey, this is it's a good idea. So thank you to you all about the Patreon thing for the Inside OU postgame show. Um, it's all set up right now on the on Patreon. Um, you just have to type in Inside OU, then parenthesis, postgame, and ours is right there. And there's two tiers that you can subscribe to. You can subscribe to the $4 tier, and it's just per month. $4 for you know the postgame show. It'll give you an RSS feed, and you'll just, um, if you have the app, if you, I think it's easier if you have the Patreon app to get the RSS feed directly from 
the page to your phone so you don't have to ever go back into Patreon again. It just pops up on your podcast feed like normal. Because um, I was actually trying to do it on my girlfriend's phone without the app, mm-hmm. and it was kind of a headache. But so I kind of just, after cussing up a storm and freaking her out, I finally just downloaded the app on her phone, and then it was much easier. But yeah, you just go find us, our, our Patreon page, Inside OU, parenthesis, post game. And uh, if you subscribe to the $4 per month tier, you'll just get the post game show. And like I said, there's like an RSS button, you'll click it. And then it will say, do you want to download on Apple Podcasts, on Castro, or whatever other podcast app that you're listening to? You just say yes, and then boom. I already put the, uh, just because I'm kind of a clean freak, I already put the uh, Missouri State postgame show up there already. Uh, So basically, if you all want to just jump on it right now and subscribe, first of all, thank you. Second of all, that's just kind of a good way for you guys to be, uh, to test it out before the actual new game uh, pops up on Saturday night, Sunday morning. Um, of course, the, the Missouri State postgame show is free at this point. I mean, you've if you're listening to this podcast right now, you've already listened to Missouri State's postgame. But yeah, there's that. And then there is the $5 subscription per month, which gives you the podcast as well. And it also allows you to see more of what Keegan was talking about with his breakdowns that uh, he typically will do on Twitter. Uh, but he'll now exclusively be putting this on the Patreon page for five bucks. It's just the film review with Keegan Renault. I mean, Keegan, I'll just tell you straight up, and I'm not bullshitting you, but um, there have been times over the years where uh, I think the the one example that it really kind of opened my my eyes was uh, 2018 Iowa State. It was the final drive uh, before the um, before half, and Lincoln Riley Lincoln Riley just drew up all these plays to set up the final play of the drive. They got down in, like, I think inside the 10 or right at the 10, and they threw it to, oh, it wasn't Nick Basquin. Who was the other? It was Miles Tease. Miles Tease. Miles Tease, who actually had a kind of a solid little career, you know, for uh, where he came from. That but play had so much going with it. I know. Too. But you broke it down, and it really made me appreciate that much more Lincoln Riley's offense. Like, it's cool. Like, they score a lot of points. They've got great players. But with Keegan's breakdowns and your analysis, it's. Um, it makes you appreciate it more. So uh, obviously, I highly recommend subscribing to it. But if you don't want to, I'm, we're not going to be mad at you. Like these podcasts that you're listening to right now will still be free. Uh, but just give it a chance, give it a try, and uh, we'll do the work and we'll do the best that we can and make it worth your while as much as possible. Absolutely, and I'm looking forward to doing that. And like I said on the last podcast, because there is a, I wouldn't say fifty percent, but thirty. 35% of some of the stuff that I find doesn't make it out to the public viewing. Yeah, so 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 uh, it's 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 a secret. It's Don't 100% exclusive. It. Don't share that Keegan hates like who 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 do you think you're going to hate this year? Let's just predict who That's you think That's a good question. Who's going to give you the most headaches? After game 1, Marcus t- Marcus Major may be at the top of my list. Well, is he going to play enough? No, nah, I still if he plays a lot, I mean, there's a chance that with and I, I think I said it on the post game, or maybe on the podcast after Missouri State. He has this, he has this problem to where, and I know he's retro played his first, you know, started his first game, and I get that. I'm not holding him to this extremely high standard, but I mean, there were just put one foot in the ground and cut right behind the guard that's pulling, and there's open rushing lanes against or against uh, Missouri State. Yeah, and the offensive line didn't do a great job for sure. But Marcus Major may be at the top of that list. Uh, I'm trying to think. Charleston Rambo's got a chance. I was going to say Rambo. Major, to me, just it seems like he has trouble breaking arm tackles. There was that one play where if he just breaks one arm tackle, he's gone. For sure. So, uh, but, but, yeah, I don't know. It's not going to be a me in the group message freaking out over watching Jalen Hurts play football for a full season. I can tell you that. Uh, yeah. Spencer Rattler seems like he knows where to, like if someone's open, he'll probably throw it to him. For but, sure. but yeah, uh, once again, just go to Patreon, uh, type in inside OU parenthesis post game. Um, and of course, if you have trouble, um, if you have trouble finding it, just tweet Keegan at Keegan Renault or, at Brady Does Sports, and we'll do our best to direct you I'm to I'm sure I'll push we'll, – we'll push it. I will for sure Saturday yeah. before the game. Yeah. Um, but then, obviously, on Sunday as well before I get started, uh, shout out real quick. I don't know how I get a hold of you. 
You've been great for me for the last two years. Sooner Dude 101 on YouTube. Yeah. I know you're not doing an incredibly hard job by just recording a game and uploading it on YouTube, but wouldn't be able to do it without him. I can tell you that. Oh, yeah. Like all the way back to like the old days with Ola Kyle. Um, I, yeah. Mr. McIntosh right Mr. now. Mr. McIntosh does a great job. Thank you. Like your work is definitely, definitely appreciated. Um, but yeah, and then also, I guess one more thing on that with the post game, uh, it's an 11 a.m. kickoff, so I don't expect everybody to be too hammered, uh, but pay attention to your Twitter spheres because we are going to have like some segments for the post game show to kind of, um, make it easier to catalog in your brain. And so it, it, it doesn't kind of become like a gigantic conversation like these podcasts mainly are. Um, and then also because I'm assuming not everyone's going to be hammered by, two three o'clock uh just pay attention to your twitters because i will ask some questions for our inside ou listeners that will subscribe and uh your voices will be heard on the on the podcast so we will read them on air make you guys a part of the conversation because that's college football i mean it's all it's fun to like yell and scream about the exploits of 18 to 22 year olds and what they did wrong or what they did right so um let's just have fun with it but that's that that's over now so let's get into kansas state Keegan Renault. So I guess let's just uh, start off with the easy stuff. Um, OU's offense versus Kansas State's defense and Spencer Rattler. I mean, that we can get into kind of the, the specific details later on, but just like overall OU's offense, Kansas State's defense, after what you've seen from both schools. I said it on a little bit on Tuesday that I don't think Kansas State's you know, secondary is as bad as what they performed against Arkansas State. I think that, and this is crazy, had a lot more to do with how good Jonathan Adams was from Arkansas State. I mean, guys were in position. Uh, the final touchdown pass was really bad. It was a great play call. Two posts down the middle of the field, and, you know, the first one brought the safety down, opened up Adams for the touchdown. But overall, I mean, he was just making plays and guys were in position to make, you know, DBs were in position there to make plays. He was just bigger. He was more physical. So with that being said, I don't expect Kansas State to run a five-man f- defensive front. With And what I'm saying is, is Kansas State against Arkansas State had four down linemen and one Mike backer, and that was it in the box at times, even against an Arkansas State team. And that's why they had a lot of success on the ground, Arkansas State did. So I don't expect that to happen uh, on Saturday. But overall, I think it's going to be a a pretty good test. I mean, it's going to be what Oklahoma needs heading into a a game against Iowa State. And I, I know they got their heads beat in by Louisiana, but that is still a defense that's given Oklahoma fits. In, in the past couple years in terms of uh, – didn't last year they ran it all – Oklahoma ran it all over Iowa State. But in terms of the passing game, in terms of Iowa State being able to keep everything in front of them, they do a really good job, and it's made Oklahoma struggle being able to attack vertically. So this week against Kansas State, playing a, you know, a, a pretty good secondary. A.J. Parker's a really good player. Um, I think he, you know, he's probably going to be a guy that we're going to see play, you know, go undrafted, see play on Sundays. Um, not a completely Parnell Motley fold – mold but kind of in that same realm um and then obviously the you know the main guy that's going to get a lot of focus on saturday on kansas state's defense is white huber i mean everybody talked about him this week uh i think he's i think he's he's a good he's a a good solid player for what kansas state wants him to do he's I an all-conference type yeah he is you know, I think he's the guy that probably slides in inside at the next level in the NFL. Um, you know, I I don't know what his, you know, measurables are. I'm looking him up right now. But whenever you talk about wide Huber, he's going to be physical off the edge. He's strong. He's long. Um, he doesn't – he's not James Lynch from Baylor a year ago. That's for sure. Thank God. Um, but he is a guy that is going to be a good test for these tackles. Anton Harrison going up in his first game. Uh, uh, Adrian Ely if he kicks back to right tackle it's going to be a really good test for them I'm looking forward to see how they perform against him um, because this I mean you got Jaquan Bailey coming up at Iowa State who's probably a little more athletic and then you have Texas coming up which we'll get into more Texas down the line but wait until you see how they have their defensive ends line up it's the most crazy thing I've ever seen but Joseph Osai uh, probably the best edge rusher in the conference. 
is coming up for Texas. They've got a bunch of other players as well um, along that defensive line, which is going to be really, really good this year. Um, so it's going to be a good test for Oklahoma. But I, I expect you know Lincoln to attack them. Kind of, uh, It may be a year where they're just going to be a bunch of zone running, and it may be because Marquise Hayes and Tyrese Robinson aren't you know, the athletes that Drew Samia and Ben Powers were um, in 2017 and 2018. So um, it, it may be one of those things. I like Marquise Hayes a lot. I think he's a third-round NFL, you know, draft prospect. Um, Tyrese Robinson is athletic as well. But uh, for some reason, the guard tackle counter just is, the last two years just hasn't been as successful as it was in 2017 and 18. So I expect them to at least try to get that in some work against Kansas State. I don't expect it to, to succeed, and I expect them to go to a lot of zone running. And I think that may be a thing for most of the year – and as well, and I think it may benefit Oklahoma because Seth McGowan just needs one cut and go. Yeah, he needs. He's not Kennedy Brooks. He doesn't have a ton of patience. He's not going <laughs> to force guys to you know run into blocks. He's not going to set up blocks well. Um, Ramondre Stevenson the same way. You know, Ramondre Stevenson's best game was in the Big Twelve Championship game against Baylor, right? When uh, Kennedy Brooks was a little banged up, they just zone ran him to death. And Ramondre put one foot in the ground and got upfield. Made a bunch of really good plays. Um, and then, oh, you know, offensive in the passing game, it, I don't know. I, you know, you have Marvin Mims. I think it's going to be a lot of what we saw against Missouri State. Probably a little more complicated. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's – I expect Oklahoma, my score right now is 52-20. So, I expect them to put up points. I expect them to be able to have success. Um, White Huber is going to be a lot of the reason why if they don't have success in the passing game. And it's going to be, I think, like I said, it's going to be a good test. Yeah. yeah we're going to learn. We're going to learn a lot about Oklahoma tomorrow. Um, and we'll see. Uh, you know, I wish we could have seen Wayne Jones play, the kid from Owasso that got hurt against Arkansas State. I don't know what his status is. But, yeah, it's going to be a good test. That's for sure. Yeah. And I, I hate, first of all, I hate comparing last season or just a season prior to whatever game OU's going into just because it's a different team, it's different circumstance, different situation, different time of the year, so many factors. But at the same time, everyone's just going to remember Kansas State last year. And not for the uh, not for the revenge factor. That's not the angle I'm going for. But just from the standpoint of what did the offense look like in that first half? And to me, like some some might say that that's where it really began for Jalen Hurts on the, the downside of um, – his kind of his season last year at quarterback for OU. I mean, there were hiccups in the Kansas game, basically from the point where he fumbled in the Cotton Bowl against Texas is when it went all the way downhill for me. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, even in Kansas State, like that's that's kind of what you remember is Kansas State having success, being able to get um to pick up first downs on third down. Um, they didn't really get big chunk plays. They had one big run. They had another kind of medium long run, uh, middle part of the first half. But really, outside of that, it was just they defense couldn't get off the field. And when the offense had a few opportunities, they couldn't push the ball downfield because Jalen Hurts. As well. Yeah, Jalen Hurts just didn't. I don't know if it was a lack of confidence. I don't know if it was just Jalen Hurts cannot read a defense all the time but as the game wore along OU's athleticism kind of just started to take over and then Kansas State basically had to win by the skin of their teeth you know hoping hoping OU didn't pick up the onside kick even though there were some shenanigans that I don't really want to get into but to me Keegan it just because you started with the back end of Kansas State's defense um, now assuming that the offensive line is able to form a pocket and give Spencer Rattler and the receivers enough time to um, get the routes to be run, to be on the same page. To me, it's just, can, does Kansas State have anybody that can check a Rambo or a Mims in a track meet? And if they don't, all that's really going to, all that's really going to happen is just what we saw against Missouri State. Just a bunch of crossing routes, underneath routes, stuff like that. No, they don't. Um, Wayne Jones is a guy that probably could have been a little bit, um, given them a better look. Yeah. But, no, I don't foresee – that being an issue, um, I I think A.J. Parker at corner um, is really going to be it for them. Uh, and then I have it, Wyatt Hubert is 6'3", 270. So he is a, a little bit bigger than what you would think um, whenever you watch him play. But, yeah. no, back to your original point, no, they're going to – Oklahoma should be able to attack vertically. Um, but Wyatt Hubert is going to have a lot to say about that. 
and the secondary, um, based off what we've heard this week for Kansas State, is kind of decimated, whether that's contact tracing or injury, whatever, or positive tests. So it's going to be, you know, one of those things that Oklahoma should be able to do whatever they want offensively with Kansas State, but there are quality enough players on that Kansas State defense to where, it, like I said, it, it's going to be a It'll be a pretty good test heading into heading into Iowa State. Yeah, and I guess one more thing before we get to Oklahoma's defense versus Kansas State's offense, um, because I kind of just said, well, let's assume that the offensive line forms a pocket and blocks well. Well, in terms of run blocking, because you're calling for a lot of zone read in this game, or, or just, just just zone running, just zone running. Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest kind of like oh, I wish we would have seen Anton Harrison play. I wish we would have been able to at least see. Like how he moves his feet, how he's able to slide, how, how he's able to kick back. All those things that you see great left tackles be able to accomplish. Yes, it would have been against Missouri State, but I just, if he's able to go and it seems like he's going to be able to play at left tackle, which slides Adrian Ely, if he's able to play um, back to right tackle, his original spot. Man, Wyatt Hubert against a true freshman. Well, um, you know, you talked about the running game and what Oklahoma's going to be able to do. Uh, you know, I... There's questions about this offensive line as well as there should be. I mean, they didn't perform to the level we thought they would against Missouri State. They didn't dominate to the level we thought they were going to play. So it's going to be one of those things that they're going to have to put good tape on this week against a you know lesser opponent in Kansas State in order for them to, you know, Get going in the right direction. Because as I said, Iowa State won't be a huge test up front for them, but Texas is coming. Texas has a really good defensive front. Yeah. They, linebackers are sketch. I mean, don't get me wrong. But whenever you got to yeah, – we saw last year with Oklahoma, Kenneth Murray would not have been the same guy if Neville Gallimore and Ronnie Perkins weren't the players they were. And that's mm-hmm. – that goes with every linebacking core in the country. It's a team sport. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, they – it's going to be one of those things that they're going to have to – they have to start getting better, and they have to start getting better now. Um, I don't know if – you know, I think Oklahoma's success in 2016, 17, 18 in the running game um, was a, a predicated on the fact that they were able to do a bunch of power, a bunch of counter stuff, and they just weren't last year. And I don't know why that is. I don't know why they struggled with it even again against Missouri State. But they're just—they have to get—they have to get better, and they have to get better now. I mean, they like I said, you got two weeks until a team's going to come hit you in the mouth, mm-hmm. and we'll see—you know—where this group is. I know they dominated a year ago, but this is a different—you know—different coaching staff basically at Texas. So it's the lead up to that game is going to be extremely important for this offensive line. And I know, um, you know, we were going to talk about Rattler and the pass rush. I, you know, here in a second, but. If we get into knock that out right now, I like I said, I don't think that's going to be something that is going to be a problem this week. But Wyatt Hubert is going to provide some a good look for what these tackles are going to be this season, if that makes sense. And I know I kind of said that whenever we were talking about it originally, but he, uh, I don't think they're just going to be able to. He's going to come out and just dominate. As well as it may be a good game to for Spencer to show off his athleticism. Yeah, Chris Kleiman talked about it. Lincoln's talked about it. Spencer's talked about it. Um, so it's yeah, and I'm excited because I I just don't know exactly how fast Spencer Rattler is, and it sounds weird when I say that because he's clearly a fast he's a fast human being. He's a D1 athlete. Um, I just don't know how fast he is relative to like Big 12 athletes. I don't know how fast he is in the open field against opponents that could potentially beat OU. I don't know if he's fast enough that that becomes an integral part of the offense as we get further along into the season like it did with Kyler Murray because Kyler Murray was not running all over the place the first half of the year. It really started in that second half against Texas, and then he became like a dual-threat guy that defenses had to just absolutely account for, and it made it that much harder to defend OU's offense that year. I don't I don't think Spencer's going to be like that, but – we're going to find out. So it's going to be a good test. So now let's pivot to Oklahoma's defense against Kansas State's offense. And to me, Keegan, this is where if, if your buddies at, the, at USA Today 
have any, you know, if, if they can see the future. If it does become an interesting game, it's going to be because of this matchup, OU's defense versus Kansas State's offense. For sure. And it's, you know, but at the same time, though, this is, this is a statement game defensively for Oklahoma. And I mean that in the sense of this offensive line from Kansas State is horrible. I mean horrible. Maybe the worst offensive line that Oklahoma plays in the Big 12. Like, maybe as bad as Kansas. Yeah. So this is a this is a matchup to where Perry on Winfrey is gonna do, should dominate. Isaiah uh, Isaiah Thomas needs to start, like put two two games together for sure. Uh, Leron Stokes needs to dominate. Uh, Nick Benito needs to dominate. And if those things happen, and Oklahoma goes out and gets a ton of pressure on the quarterback, that's gonna provide a lot of opportunity for the secondary to pick balls off, to get pass deflections, to be able to make plays on the football as well as even if they don't get pressure Brady Skylar Thompson's going to throw them one he's going to throw a gimme this game at least one uh he was not very good and he was very inconsistent against Arkansas State overthrowing guys throwing behind them not putting it where guys can make plays um but overall though I mean they you know Kansas State's gonna be able to scheme it up and they're gonna be able to scheme it up and be able to have success. And I know some people would be shocked that I picked Kansas State to score 20 points. Malik Knowles is an NFL caliber receiver. I mean, he is extremely – if he played at Oklahoma, he would start. Yep. Like, that's He is a very good wide receiver. They always have stuff for Oklahoma. I mean, go back to Bill Snyder days. Chris Kleiman, I know, different coach. But they have stuff schemed up and ready offensively, the, whether it's the – I can promise you this: Oklahoma will not be ill prepared for that. Go- what they did with their guards last year, yeah, this year, you would hope so. Oh my! And well, Alex Grinch said it as such this week. I know I haven't put that quote out. It's going to go out tomorrow in a story, but I mean, they got just wrecked by it. I mean, at one point, it had Brian Asamoah so confused that Brian Asamoah actually read the play right, but the guard was doing was like kind of curling back behind the center as mm-hmm. if he was still going to go. And then he just planted back. And then Brian SMO second-guessed himself, started to go back to the other side of the field, and the play came right at him. And yep. they got like 10 He's... to 15 yards. So, I mean, they, they're going to have stuff schemed up for Oklahoma. I'm not sh- – won't be shocked by that. Skylar Thompson will make a throw or two. Oklahoma's DBs, I, I would assume Alex Grinch, knowing with how much pressure they're going to be able to get, is going to play a lot of just man up in your face. Yeah. and see what Trey Brown and Jaden Davis are made of. So there's going to be plays that Kansas State's going to make. I mean, Skylar Thompson isn't just trash. He's not – I mean, I I don't know where he fits amongst the you know ranks in the Big 12, but it's definitely one of those things to where they uh, – you know, Oklahoma is going to have to be, be able to get pressure. They're going to have to be able to make plays on the football – and if they can, and it's a statement game for them. I mean, you want to talk about you go out and do something that makes a nationally prominent defense from the get go this season. You go out and you go put, you know, ten points. You allow Kansas State to score ten points. You dominate them from the first snap to the last snap. And this is a game they're going to have a chance to. I don't think it's going to be that easy for them, based on what I said a second ago in terms of they've Skylar Thompson going to make a throw. Malik Knowles is a really good player. They're going to have stuff schemed up. So I expect them to have some success, but if it's 20 points, Brady, and they get three, four sacks, and they pick, they get two turnovers, and they still give up 20, I think you can be satisfied with that. Well, you know, that's kind of what I was, I've been telling Chisholm Holland and Sam Mays uh, on the radio during the week, is if this defense wants to actually show that it's taking the next step in year two under Alex Grinch, it's... Because even with your 20-point prediction, classically, like as OU people, we can watch a game where OU has dominated from start to finish and their opponent scores in the 20s. And that's like, well, that's not terrible because OU put up 60 points on the board, so they won by 40. But 20 points against that defense that we already think is suspect, I mean, that's not good either. And those numbers will add up at the end of the year because they had 400 yards of total offense and 20 points, whatever. But 
if they have 13 points going into the fourth quarter and they score a trash touchdown against the backups, it's like that's when that's classically what this defense has been right, about on good days sure. against uh, against Big 12 opponents. So if this defense really wants to make the um, make every make it everybody understand that no, we have taken the next step, you don't allow that trash touchdown against the backups in the fourth quarter. You dominate them, like you said, Keegan, from start to finish. And this is not just a good test because Kansas State pre- presents some challenges, but because Kansas State just kind of, to me, represents just your run-of-the-mill random Big 12 team that OU has beaten every week, every year for the last five, six years, but they've given up 200 yards rushing or they've given up a 350-yard passing day or they've given up two trash touchdowns to make their all their analytics look bad at the end of the year. So to me, it's stopping all that, but kind of going back and just, you know, tale as old as time, you know, creating the turnovers. Um, yeah, like Skylar Thompson is going to, uh, he's going to throw some directly at OU's defensive backs. And we, we all know who needs to catch the ball. We don't need to get into that. We talked <laughs> about that last week, but um, you just hope that at some point, under Alex Grinch, that Oklahoma's defensive players play like defensive players, like like they remember that they are at the University of Oklahoma where they are badass athletes. Because you, you could just tell over the last few years there was a lot of pressing, there was a lot of second-guessing, and when you're pressing and you're second-guessing, you're not going to catch a gimme interception. I will always use the example of Blake Gideon, 2008, Texas, <laughs> Texas Tech. That ball gets tipped on the air. That is... Dude was thinking about a zillion things except for catching that little ball, and he couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. So, like, to me, that's kind of what's been all over this defense, and especially in the back end over the last few years. And Kansas State prevents the opportunity, not the challenge, but the opportunity for OU to just show, no, we're that guy. For sure, they do. They provide the opportunity for Oklahoma's defense to just – be the defense that everybody expects them to be, right? Yeah. I mean, they everybody expects now, I mean, credit to what they were able to do a year ago, everybody expects Oklahoma to show up and play good defense. And this is one of those games to where they need to show up and be dominant and be dominant from the first snap. They have to be – but at the same time, too, like you don't want to see a bunch of mental busts this week, This especially this week. This is a team – that you have to be disciplined against or you are going to get beat and there's going to be um, a bunch of mental errors and mistakes if you're not. So it's going to be kind of along the same lines of the offense for NK State's defense. It's, it was going to, it's going to be a good test for that group. I think it's going to be a good test for this group that they are the disciplined team that we've heard of that you know we are the best practice team, best practice defense in the country. We're practicing really well. If you are – then you're not going to have these mental errors against Kansas State. You're not going to be the. You're not going to not be disciplined against an offense that's trying to make you look a different direction and run a play a different way. Yeah. So though all those things combined, with that being said, it's hard to talk about this game and not mention the fact that Perion Winfrey, Isaiah Thomas, Nick Benito, Leron Stokes. Those guys should dominate from the first snap. I mean, this offensive line, I can't say it enough, they are horrid. They, they are worse than what we saw from Oklahoma State against Tulsa. <laughs> they are so bad. And I know the right tackle, which a lot of, got a lot of my f- attention on Twitter, was a backup. I found that out at this point. But if it's the same center. I mean, the left tackle got beat couple times. I mean, there were things that that Kansas State offensive line was doing. I mean, look like, at look at look at OU's offensive line last year. Like it had two or three great players on it. But if you have one or two guys screw up continuously, it doesn't matter. Like you have to all be it's a unit for a reason. So even if it was a backup. It's like even if they do have a guy that's, you know, well he's actually really good. It's like it doesn't matter like over the course of a game. Sure. Yeah, and it it, it doesn't and in a game like this you it's a good thing for Oklahoma. This could also be a confidence booster defensively. I think it could be, you know, one of those things that helps them in the confidence factor. But uh, it's definitely going to be one of those games that you don't want to not play well. Yeah. From both sides of the ball. Because had- you talk about morale of a team and an 
eight game, nine game sprint this year, like you don't want to have any setbacks. Yeah. And now if you go up to Iowa State and they push you around and you win thirty eight twenty seven, you get the hell out of Ames and you take it. Yeah. But this is a week that that doesn't need to happen. Winning this week is not just enough for Oklahoma. And it shouldn't be – and I know that's the standard at this place for every game, but weird things happen in Ames. Weird things happen in the Cotton Bowl. Yeah. Weird things happen on the road in Morgantown. I mean, um, but this is one of those games that Oklahoma needs to come out and dominate, and they need to – on both sides of the bowl, and they need to dominate – from the first snap to the last one. If that happens, Oklahoma can conceivably win this game like 63-17. But I don't, you know, well-coached team, got guys that can make plays. I don't think it's going to happen. But it's uh, definitely a game that Oklahoma needs to, you know, be at their best. If they can show up and play at their best, I think that's going to give them a lot of confidence the rest of the season. Because to be fair, I mean, they've been missing a lot of guys in the depth chart, missing a lot of guys in a bunch of different places. So if they come out and play really, really well, that should give them a lot of confidence for the rest of the season. And I think last thing before we get out of here, Keegan, I had you uh, look up some, or not necessarily look up, I just had you put in mind like three guys that you want to see show out this game. And it doesn't necessarily need to be like three underclassmen. It can be if you want it to. Uh, But it could be like vets, like a Trey Brown, like a Charleston Rambo, that you see this as an opportunity for them to like, you you might play and perform better than you actually are, but you might as well do it against Kansas State because the, the games that you just described, like this is a game where OU needs to take care of business. Games like Iowa State on the road, West Virginia on the road, Cotton Bowl, those are games where you just you just get the win and you leave. And no, no matter how ugly it is, like you can kind of go back afterwards and go, wow, like that was bad, but at least you won. Um, this is not one of those games where if you win ugly – and still get the win, we're not going to sit here on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, record our next podcast and go, well, that was a good showing. So, without further ado, who are your three guys? I want to see Deshaun White. This is going to be a game he's going to be tested. Uh, They're going to do things up front, in front of him, that are going to make sure he's disciplined, like I said a second ago. And this is the one guy, if they can get him going, and this is nothing against, you know, David Aguebu. I think he's going to be an elite player. I don't think he fits in a game like this. I don't think he would be extremely well facing, you know, trying to come and take on a bunch of blocks. Hasn't done it, so it, it would be tough. So if Deshaun White can at least be the not, I don't know, I don't expect him to be the alpha of the defense, but he needs to be up there with his leadership ability, how good of a kid he is, all those things. He needs to be the player everybody expects him to be. Hmm. Number two, very simple, Anton Harrison. I am giddy Me about too. seeing this guy play on Saturday. Me too. Giddy. It's gonna be it's gonna be like two bear cubs fighting between him and Wyatt Hubert. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, um and then number three, and this is gonna be a little surprising here, but I wanna see Theo Weiss come out and dominate a football game. Right? This is a guy that a lot of people had a lot of high expectations for. We kind of know what Charleston Rambo is. Not shocked by what we saw week one. Not shocked what we're going to see going forward. But if Theo Weiss is the guy that we all think he is, and I know he has, you know, being a wide receiver, it's not up to you. It's not all on you to, you know, get the ball in your hands, to make plays, you know, after the catch. But A.J. Parker's a good corner. Theo Weiss is the guy that we think he is. He goes out there and dominates that matchup against A.J. Parker. And so, I, you know, those three, Deshaun White, Anton Harrison, and Theo Weiss, um, I, I mean, just quickly, you know, you want to see Adrian Ely play well this week. You want to see Trey Brown play well, obviously. Um, but outside of that, you know, th- those three, I think it's a – you want to see those guys play extremely well because if that happens – and Theo Weiss becomes a superstar player, that, when you get Trejan Bridges back, you've got Marvin Mims, you've got Charleston Rambo, you just name off guys and guys and guys, and, heck, Jaden Hazelwood, maybe, at the end of the year. And oh, if Theo, boy. And if Theo Weiss is, can be your dude on the outside that CeeDee Lamb was in 2018, I mean, that's going to help Spencer, Rowell, uh, Spencer Rattler out a lot. 
So, yeah, those three guys for sure. want to see them p- play well. Uh, see, you know, Theo Weiss, I think, a little bit different than the other two. But, yeah, it's going to be uh, it's gonna be a game for a lot of guys that they're going to get a lot of snaps, and, and we'll see uh, kind of what they're made of. Yes, and as one more little uh, Patreon plug, on the Inside OU postgame show, which, again, you can subscribe to for at least $4 a month or $5 if you want to have the added film review with Keegan Renault. Um, we will, one of our segments on the post game show will be Keegan grading players that he looked forward to. So maybe Deshaun white gets an a plus, maybe he gets an F we will find out on Saturday, but Keegan, one more thing before we get out of here, that's going to make a lot of the Facebook fans upset. Oh, he's putting a black stripe on their helmet, regular uniforms. I'm assuming they're going to do alternate regular uniforms, but no black jerseys, but just a black stripe on a white helmet. Please tell me why uh, Philip and Guyman is going to be so upset about this. I'm confused because John Hoover, who had sent out the Twitter first, that they are wearing traditional, is it traditional? No one said that, traditional alternates. They that, said traditional uniforms that's, with a black stripe. That's, what I, um, that's why I was kind of confused. I just keep going back to, um, was it Sunday or Monday, when OU's official Twitter account tweeted out Game Week. And they tweeted out a picture of a player in an alternate uniform. I'm just like, okay, I guess they're wearing alts this week. And then their helmet, it is the wood grain, bigger blocker style OU that they wear with their alternates. Yeah. So I'm assuming it's going to be the red alternate jersey. The what do they call them? The bring the, the wood. The those things rough that need rider, you, you the rough rider, like those things that just need to be updated or just go away entirely. I like them. I think they look good. I just feel like they can just do something else to them or update them. For sure. But anyway. Yeah, it's. I'm still confused on if we're going to get a... Uh, there you go. How did that happen? <laughs> but uh, I, I'm confused on if it's a traditional alternate uniforms is what the quote is or if they are wearing... Because if they go home jerseys with a black stripe on the red helmet, I'm going to be... That's going to look bad. Well, but that, if they go alternates with, like, black stripe on the pants with the red, you know, I think it would look good. I'm I'm still, after now seeing, I know I've seen them before, but after Sooner Tracker sent that out, I don't get why you would, people would not like a black alternate uniform. I think it would look because really this, good. This fan base is predominantly older, and there's... There's nothing wrong with that. There's a reason for that. OU's been good for a long time. Why is LSU's stadium like one of the more difficult places to go win? It's because they've really only been good, good, good for about a 25-year span. So their fan base, you know, they've got their contingent of older fans, but their fan base is far, far younger than OU's. Same thing with Oregon. Like all these programs that have only been good since the 80s or the 90s, they have a little bit of a younger fan base, whereas OU, Alabama, it's just go out there and kick their ass by 50, and if you don't, I'm going to be upset. <laughs> and most people just want to sit down and watch. Me, on the other hand, if I'm at the game during pre-COVID times, I'm standing because it's football. But um, that's neither here nor there. Um, I don't – like that. that's basically why. I mean, people are stuck with their tradition. For sure. And, and I will say, if you're going to do a black jersey ever – don't add any red to it. Just make it all black. Like whether it's black pants, black jersey, or black helmet. I think I, black I, with I, red. I just, I just think it looks way too Texas techy. Sure. And the pro like the, the problem with OU and alternates is we have one primary color. Why is Oregon and OSU able to get away with it? Because they've got green and yellow or orange and black as well as white. Oh, he only has red, so you can only do or crimson. Excuse me. If we're me. into a uniform conversation, Oklahoma State needs to just burn these new uniforms to the ground and just bring back the old uniforms. Oh, I know, like the uh, the old curvy OSU <sighs> uh, logo. They're gorgeous. Yeah, you do what you do, I guess. But yeah, with OU like doing the black stripe on the helmet. I guess Lincoln Riley said this during our recording. Um, it's in, f- only it's, an it's, it's, impromptu press conference yeah. that I found out that started at 4.45 and it was 4.44 when the email was sent. Yikes. Um, yeah, so it's for unity, I guess, is what Lincoln Riley descri- um, used it as. So obviously this is uh, in line with what he's been doing and the team has been uh, doing and vocalizing 
going back to the offseason with the Black Lives Matter movement. And look, if you're going to sit there and say that it's Marxist or whatever, uh, yes, the two people that, I guess, started the organization that is Black Lives Matter are admitted Marxists. Yes. Okay, cool. Um, if that's the reason why you have a problem with the sentence or the statement, Black Lives sure, Matter, then, absolutely. then again, like I said, like we said what months ago you don't need to be listening to this podcast yeah those are two different things those are two different things um you are rooting you are listening to a podcast based um solely on covering and following a football team comprised more than primarily by black players so um this is a good symbol this is a good um i guess gesture that ou is doing um for their players for the you know obviously everybody being most of them being primarily black and this means a whole lot more to them and and to the fact that their coach and their program is supporting it um if they're happy i'm happy so that that's and at the end of the day it kind of looks cool with the pictures that we've kind of been released with the white helmet and the black stripe looks kind of cool yeah it's uh we'll see what it kind of looks like but it looks as if it's just the rough rider uniform with a black stripe on the helmet so we'll see kind of what comes of it but yeah it's uh it's gonna be a, I, I don't know if it'll feel any different but it's uh it won't no it's oh you has never lost a game because of the jerseys they wore that not, not even tech road game they would have got their ass kicked anyway if they would have wore if they they could have reanimated jerry tubbs's you know body and worn like the same jerseys because that, that's what he wore, and they still would have got their ass kicked. And Ryan Broyles still would have got his ass chewed out for celebrating going into the end zone when OU was down what forty-five to six. Yeah, something like that. Oh well, we don't need to remember that anymore. Everybody, thank you so much, Keegan. Thank you so much. Absolutely, looking forward to it. Go subscribe to the Patreon. I will be. Uh, it'll be like a. I'll drop the YouTube link at the top where you can kind of follow along as I go. Um, I'm sure, I think there's a comment page at the bottom as well on Patreon. Yeah. Um, and then I'll just update it with videos that I will upload to Patreon and be able to put it kind of in the right there for you. And uh, it should, shouldn't be a problem. But I've worked with Patreon before, so go subscribe to that. Uh, help help, help me help you. We can go get, I, I can go do some cool things yeah. with an extra tank of gas on yeah exactly remember like we already kind of plead in the previous episode we're not we're not looking for this you know for this these donations for money to buy like new clothes or new shoes like we're um we want to do a good job in order to do a good job we do need a little bit of help unfortunately and that's why we set up the patreon page but again uh the two podcasts that we'll do a week not including the uh, game day pod will be free of course and if you just want to help out and then also get some extra cool content, then you know where to go find it. For sure. So awesome. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to the Inside OU podcast. We'll talk to you this coming Saturday night, Sunday morning for the postgame show. Until then, Media Corner and Keegan on Tuesday following Lincoln Riley's press conference. Until then, everybody, see you later and Boomer Sooner.